Welcome back to The Dark Side. I'm Brianna. And I'm Paige. And this is Dark Adaptation. is right. Paige is in the house. I'm back. I'm so happy that you're back. I'm happy to be here again. It's wonderful. I'm very excited. Me too. And the last time that you were here, it was in February. It was, Which seems like it just happened, but also seems like it was a long time ago. (laughs) Well, the Grim Reaper is always visiting, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, uh-huh. I, lately, I kind of feel him just looming around. <laughs> He's just hiding in the shadows. <laughs> that was such a good episode, though. You took us in, talked about the Grim Reaper, told us the origin, history, all the associated folklore, mm-hmm. got into some death. Of course. Comes with the territory, right? Related depictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, some famous artwork. Famous art. Talked about the plague. Mm-hmm. That Lots was- of deaths. All the death. All the death. Hey, you want to hear about all the death? Listen to the Grim Reaper episode. Lots of death in that one. It was really good, though. Thank you. It was very good. A lot of fun. It was awesome storytelling. Very informative. I try to be. I try to give the most accurate information to you guys so you know what your history is. Yeah, exactly. And every time that we're done, like, recording, because it's one thing to sit here and, like, have you tell me the story, mm-hmm. but sometimes I want to, like, hear it again in case there's like things i didn't pick up on or i was too busy giving my two cents on or that kind of got swept (laughs) up or you forgot for a second yeah so i always listen back to it and each time i listen back to like the episodes that we do together i'm always like god damn it Paige is so smart this is an excellent episode thank you and i feel like other people agree because um just speaking about the grim reaper one that's one of our most downloaded episodes thank you you guys thank you so much other people were like you know what? Fuck yeah. Love this one. Yeah, give the other one some love. We've got Puckwidgees, Mothman. We got a couple of others. Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Yule Lads. Yep, and Yule Katurin. And with Yule Katurin and Krila. Yeah, and we've got a new episode <laughs> for you today. Another amazing tale. So, I don't know. I don't have any, like, business or things to touch upon so i think that we're all just ready to hear another amazing episode okay that's awesome we'll get right into it then yeah go right now this is a request that actually came from sonia thank you sonia for the request oh my god is sonia listening she does yes thank you sonia i'm excited i love when people send in their requests yes i was excited too and so i did decide to do this because of that but also because i started to see more and more videos pop up um, and different oral stories of these creatures. So I decided to dig a little deeper into them. And so today we're going to be talking about skinwalkers. Oh my God. No way. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. I'm very excited. Are I'm you? absolutely terrified of skinwalkers, but this would have also been one of my requests. So great request, <laughs> Sonia. And is the skinwalker technically a cryptid? Um, or what is like? I mean, we'll find out. I yeah, guess. we'll find out. I kind of like it's. They're an ever-present thing, so I would say that, but it's also like a human. Yeah, exactly. So it's not an otherworldly type being. Right. 
Right. So it's kind of a hard label to put on it because there is a lot of history behind where it comes from and and what they are. That's what's exciting, though, because you're going to tell us about skinwalkers. And then at the end, we can be like, yay or nay. Yeah. <laughs> and or if you guys have ever heard uh, any encounters or if you've had any encounters, any stories, please send them in to us. Absolutely. Send in your skinwalker tales. Yes, please. We want to know. OK, so about to get real creepy up in here. I'm excited. It is. So we'll start with like a little bit of history. Um, so they come from the Native American legends and are Navajo in origin. Mm. And so the Navajo, Navajo people refer to themselves as uh, the Diné, which means the people. Mm. And so this nation covers part of Arizona, New Mexico, Utah, and roughly encompasses over like 250,000 square miles. Damn. And also Colorado, I believe as well. It's like the four corners that are there. That makes sense. And the Navajo word used is uh, yina lushi. Um, and so that means with it, he goes on all fours. And I guess <gasps> that is the most like direct translation for skinwalker. Mm -hmm. But the Navajo never refer to it as a skinwalker. Only white people really do or other cultures. That makes sense. Yeah. That's like... Yeah, that, that's just in line with a lot of things. Yeah. And it's hard sometimes to have a direct translation, but he goes on all fours. Um, With it, he goes on all fours. Oh, that's so creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> and so I myself will probably flip between all the known names, mm -hmm. uh, but mainly I'm going to call this uh, witchcraft or witchery, or I'm going to call them witches, uh, which you'll understand as we go along. All right, perfect. So it's thought that the tradition might have first started uh, in the Great Plains of Native Americans who disguised themselves using the hide of a wolf to hunt buffalo. So they would pretend to be wolves working as a pact to effectively hunt for their community. So they could use that as a disguise. But it has evolved to mean that certain medicine men and women of the tribe who have gone beyond the healing of the spirit and the physical body of the Diné and have turned towards evil deeds and worship. And so as tensions over land grew between the Navajo, the Spanish, and other tribes, such as the Apache and the Ute, uh, different treaties were signed throughout the mid-1800s. And from about 1846 to 1863, the Navajos would sign three treaties with the army, promising the Diné protection, but they had to surrender two out of their four sacred mountains and give up one third of their ancestral land. Oh, wow. A yeah. third? A one third, yeah. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and then during this time, many people and groups would try and uh, steal livestock or raid the Navajo villages and ranches anyways. And uh, at some point, 12 Navajos were captured by a group of Mexicans and uh, Pueblo uh, Indians as well and used as slaves goodness yeah so like basically exploiting this already like tumultuous time for them mm -hmm. and the promise of protection that they're not getting exactly yeah of course <sighs> yep just to get the land right mm -hmm. and in the early 1860s kit carson was ordered to squash the navajo resistance through a campaign called scorched earth campaign and he would go to, on to burn down villages of the Diné, slaughter or take their livestock and uh, contaminate or destroy water sources. I've heard of Scorched Earth Campaign before. Mm -hmm. So that's what this is. And Carson was ordered to have the Navajo forcefully surrender to the Union Army 
And this is when Carson implemented the Scorch Earth campaign. Wow. So in January of 1846, the Navajos were forced on what is known as the Long Walk, where they were forcefully relocated from their ancestral homelands in eastern Arizona and western New Mexico to Bosque Redondo Reservation near the military outpost of Fort Sumner in uh, Pescos River Valley. So this was because European settlers were moving into the area and wanted the land that the natives lived on. And from about 1846 to 1866, a total of around 10,000 Diné walked the long walk from to Fort Sumner. And Fort Sumner was basically a prison camp. Oh, no. I didn't like the name Fort at the beginning, mm-hmm. and I was wondering. Yeah, and it, this was about an 18-day trek. 500 kilometers walk with about eight to nine thousand people forced like at once from their homes with the death of at least 200 people on this walk and just imagine what that walk would be like they're probably not getting care they need water food they're just not clothed appropriately no they're probably this people who are transporting them are probably hoping that oh you know maybe we'll lose a few stragglers in the journey oh yeah people to have to manage yep they weren't told where they were going oh god why they were being moved the length of the journey and most were not fit enough for such a long trek and yeah no sustenance not allowed to grab anything Mm -mm. just get up and go and you would never anticipate 18 days yeah 500 kilometers yeah 300 (sighs) miles my god many people were left behind it's so sad it is and during the walk soldiers would take a woman for themselves uh stealing someone else's wife or sibling or child and when one of their lady danae would protest this person would be shot and killed oh my god and they would take the wife like it isn't already traumatic enough that you're being uprooted yep and then this yeah and they weren't allowed to rest Mm -mm. um and instead if they couldn't keep up they too would be shot and killed I did read a story about a woman who was pregnant during the long walk and her family tried to advocate that she rest for a second as she was due to have the baby Mm -hmm. and they will continue. And the soldier pushed the family on, leaving the woman behind and had told them that she must fend for herself now. Um, As they were forced to continue walking, they heard a gunshot from behind them. Oh my God, it's got chills. Yeah, exactly what happened. So it's it's very, very sad history. A lot of a lot of the Navajo do not speak of it and talk all about how such a sad time it was. And it is. It's it's so tragic. Very tragic. Mm-hmm. And all of the tragedies happening just within having to make that trek. Probably yeah. being split up from your families. Maybe even in the trek itself, losing pace with certain people and not knowing, like, oh my God, were they left behind? Are they still somewhere in this line? Like the elderly, the children that can't go on, the parents that stay with the kids, like everything, right? What a nightmare. Mm -hmm. And Carson also enlisted the help of neighboring tribes to capture any Diné they came across. And one of the tribes that offered assistance was the Ute tribe of present-day Utah. (laughs) Fitting Ute. Yeah, Ute. Yeah. Ute. 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 It's just sad. It's like, well, are you getting something out of this? Or are you hoping, like, is this tribe hoping, like, okay, well, I mean, we could go against it and end up like Navajo or... We can just combine forces because what? What, what choice? The, yeah, what are the choices here? Yeah. You just wonder. 
Yeah, the, the Ute people joined Kit Carson's military campaign to expel the Navajo from their lands. Um, and the Ute knew how the Navajo lived and where they might take up residence when fleeing the army. And so the Ute would come across small bands of Navajo attempting to hide from the army. And the Ute would kill the men and capture the women and children, using them as slaves as uh, and would sell them to New Mexico slavers. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And... The Navajo are just surrounded by people who are out to get them. They, they, the lands that they lived on or slash that they live on now still are very abundant in, in resources and they've cultivated it to be that way. It's in the middle of all the mountains. So it's protected. It's flourishing. And, you know, they were forced from there because, you know, the settlers wanted Mm -hmm. that land because they could see the value of it. Exactly. Yeah. And once they were at the internment camps, the military that was posted nearby were ordered to make sure that none of them would leave. Oh my God. So here they attempted cultural assimilation, just like the Christian church did to the indigenous people of Canada, right? Yeah. It's the same exact thing. It is. Yeah. Assimilate or literally we'll just take you out back and shoot you. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. And so because their ancestral homeland had been cultivated to produce such rich soils and to work in harmony with the land, being moved to Bosque Redondo basically starved these people as the land was not suited for most farming or sheep. And this would lead to disease and death. And it's an estimated that 2000 Diné died in Bosque Redondo um, due to the harsh conditions. So I think it probably took hundreds of years to cultivate that land perfectly. Mm-hmm. And you're just and basically picking these people up and dropping them in the middle of nowhere yeah an 18 day trek to get there but yeah like it's it's a lot of harsh conditions so it does not start out good but i mean what really cryptid story (laughs) or folklore story does that's why it's important to have the history it is important build up this whole timeline let's see the progression of how the story or tradition or legend whatever yeah see how it came to be yeah. And then so in 1868, a treaty was negotiated and General Sherman tried to get them to agree to being pushed further east into God. what is now present day Oklahoma. But they obviously refused and maintained that their desire to return home was their only objective. Mm-hmm. And they won. So they were well, able to sign a treaty and they were able to move um, back to their homeland. They had to walk it back. Walk back. But they so that, so home. then the settlers hadn't. They they decided to give it up. They decided okay. to sign the treaty and say yes, you can you can go back. Yeah, I'm. Uh, wow. Okay. I know uh, quite a reversal turn, but I mean, I'm just hoping it, it is still good. I yeah. mean, I know the Navajo still live in that area to this day. Yeah. But I'm just hoping. But they had to completely rebuild everything because they were there for uh, quite a few years. I think three or four years. So mm-hmm. you said 68. They signed it. Yeah. Yeah, so, so years. Yeah, so everything that they have is either burned down, killed, left to rot, whatever, and taken up. And they don't have all of their land back because they obviously took some of it, but mm-hmm. they were allowed to go back to And then you don't areas. know what the other tribes in the like in this area, Ute and what was the other one you said? Apache? Yeah. You don't know, like, did they come in and take resources or... Mm-hmm. Like, was that, if no one's there caring for it. And like you said, the Navajo work with the land. Yeah. Like, it's a very, like, codependent thing. So All in like, harmony. Yeah, no, nobody would have been respecting the land 
yeah. the way that they would have for Actually, years. Like a few a few years prior to the um, Navajo being pushed to Fort Sumner, um, the Apache were actually there previous to that, and they had their turn in the um, in the camps. Um, so the Ute hadn't been there before, but mm-hmm. the Diné would know that they could go and hide with the Apache um, people. So they at least had some solace in there that they could stay there, but... A wee bit of solace. Yeah. Just a wee bit. Yeah, until they were found and hunted down, so, by the the army. Oh, my God. So, between 1875 and 1890, it is well known in the area that Fort Sumner had an abundance of suspicions in the amount of witchcraft being performed and practiced. And uh, Clyde Cluckhone, who wrote Navajo Witchcraft in 1944, concludes that the reason for this is because of the white pressures that the natives endured as they squashed together and overcrowded them and did not allow the uh, for different tribes and communities to have enough space to avoid conflict. This led to a breakdown of native social controls and increased intentions between community members. Um, and this led to a rise in aggression and anxieties. Mm-hmm. And they found that the indigenous that lived in remote uh, Navajo Mountain had less issues with witchcraft than the communities forced to huddle in Fort Sumner. And this led to what was known as the witch purge. Oh, God. Yeah. Why is there always some sort of witch craze? I'm just thinking of like witch trials and all that. It's kind of an easy word to throw around when you're talking about magic. Yeah, with something you don't understand. Spiritual, rituals, magic. It's, yeah, it's a general word. When it's like, are you not praising God? Well, then it's obviously witchcraft. Yeah, Satanism. (laughs) But, um, so I had a difficult time trying to piece together what had actually happened, but apparently in 1878, there were accusations that witches of the Diné were envious and jealous of their surrounding tribes and how well off they were compared to their situation that they had been placed in um, and that they cursed their neighbors. Some became sick, cattle died, crops started failing, and 40 witches were accused of practicing the evil magic and were murdered for their participation. Oh, good God. Yeah. And um, so the first place we kind of have to start after recovering like the history is medicine men and women and who they are. All right. So medicine men or medicine women would engage in prayers, song, magic, ceremonies and administer remedies or perform procedures to heal, prevent and cure any illnesses or symptoms that one was feeling. And they used like prayer to call out to deities and spirits for aid. They used healing songs and lectures, aiding with instruments to push the evil spirits away that caused the illness. Um, the use of magic came with a constant need to uh, resist harmful and evil sources, such as spirits of the dead or what some might consider mythic creatures. Um, some ceremonies combined many practices and procedures depending on the intensity of the illness. And some effigies or artifacts would be used, such as unique shaped stones, precious stones, wooden objects, feathers, claws and bones, handmade mm. figurines, fur, hair, um, or things that to represent sacred entities. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, anything of the land, really. Yeah, anything that had some sort of significance to them. And um, other times, these medicine people would cure physical ailments, such as broken bones, poisonous bites, bandaging cuts, and even conducting surgeries. 
when it comes to like the poisonous bites, like if you have venom going through you and like different medicine men that are like apothecary people who can just treat that and know exactly like, oh, you're bitten by this. I know exactly mm-hmm. what will dispel that Crazy. venom. I'm like, that's so fucking cool. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. how f- how familiarized and grounded you would have to be with your surroundings to be like, I know exactly what herb to rub on that. The knowledge that you mm-hmm. have, like the experience. Just like a little encyclopedia of just awesomeness. It is, yeah. And um, so according to an article written by Aislinn Sanders and posted on the University of Wisconsin College of Letters and Science Anthropology, titled North America's Oldest Skull Surgery, um, recently bioarchaeologist Diana Simpson presented her findings during the 91st annual meeting of the American Association of Biological Anthropologists in 2022 that after studying a skull of a man with a hole made in the forehead, she hypothesized that this was a procedure that dated back as far as 3,000 years ago. Oh my God, where was the skull from? So I'm not sure where the skull was from, but it was within an area that is known to be... uh, with uh, indigenous people had been living. I can't believe that she was able to look at that and be like, three, uh, I don't know, 3,000. Yeah, about 3,000 years ago. Holy hell. Yeah, and um, it says, quote, the surgery may have taken place to reduce brain swelling caused by an attack or fall and bone regrowth around the oval hole indicates that the man may have lived up to one year following his procedure. Wow. Other bone fractures were also found on the body, including around the left eye, collarbone, and leg. Remaining scars on the skull were consistent with other ancient skull surgeries in different parts of the world. The man who remains were discovered in modern-day Alabama was oh. likely a shaman or ritual practitioner based on the contents of his gravesite, end quote. Shaman. That's the word I was trying to think shaman of before. Shaman is also a good word, too. Uh, yes. That is insane. Because, mm-hmm. like... If it is like 3,000 years old, then obviously you're only going to have bones, like skeletal remains. But yeah, it's crazy because it, it could have been anything. Like maybe he had a brain tumor or something and they knew like it's swelling in there. Let's mm-hmm. relieve the pressure, get some liquid out or whatever. And the fact that it had other like scarring. Mm-hmm. Wild. And that there was bone regrowth. So, you know, you know. he was alive afterwards. Exactly. It was, yeah, they very were crazy. Something, clearly. Yeah, they were. And he had um, pins of like sharpened bone, which might have been used for tattooing rituals. And he had been returned to the local Native American communities for a proper burial. Afterwards. Very, very good. Yes. And do you want to learn a little fun fact? I love fun facts. Let's okay. do it. Okay. So Susan La Fleche Picotte, who lived from 1865 to 1915, was from the Omaha tribe, was the first female Native American physician in the U.S. and also one of the first to graduate from medical school and graduate top of her class in 1889. I love that fun fact. Right? And she graduated from the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania as well. And um, also worth noting, North Africa has evidence of surgical practices that date back as far as 13,000 years ago. That's like almost unfathomable. It's 13. I know that they had this kind of technology and understanding of the human body to do these types of surgeries. Like it is just so crazy because all you can really do is speculate on like what it would have been like 13,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, nowadays everyone has all kinds of 
technology so you can just easily communicate with people through your phone or get lost in a game or an app on your phone or something but 13,000 years ago obviously there isn't like tv to watch or games to play on your phone so you are just forced to be with your surroundings and the people so you would have had this much more intimate knowledge and connection to the people around you exactly and you, you would have had these more spiritual people or more highly connected people who are like shamans or whatever you want to call them mm -hmm. who would have just been like intimately aware of like their fellow human and it's more so too like you you work as a community now <laughs> like uh, then you had to survive as a community and now everyone is like fighting between each other so much that you can't no one has the compassion to cons and the concern of yeah. caring about someone else other than themselves, which is really sad. Yeah, most people nowadays are like, dude, my head is barely above the water right yeah. now. Like, I cannot even deal with you. We're in our own boats, our own sinking boats. So, But you make such a good point. Back then it would have been like, no, we are our own little tribe, our own little community. We're looking out for each other. And you would have had this like very deep connection and oh, just so fascinating. 13 thousand years ago they found them. <laughs> i know like, this is what it dated back so to. far too and it's like it doesn't mean that that is the oldest it just means it's the only known right. oldest right so i mean there could be some back from twenty five thousand years ago like it's crazy that of what we're finding as we're going along through history i just feel blown out of the water because before you had just mentioned the one that was found in alabama that's like probably like three thousand like three thousand yeah. years ago that's like oh but wait that's why I threw this one 13. at the end in a fun fact so that you could be more impressed with it. Holy hell. <laughs> love learning. I, I know. It's learning. always great to learn. <laughs> so do, let's finally kind of get into what a skinwalker is. Well, here it's he who walks on all fours. Okay, so what is a skinwalker? It is said to be a medicine person who uh, is a malevolent witch that has the ability to transform itself into any other animal, and it takes on the speed, the strength, and the mentality of that animal. Mm. And it is said that they wear the pelt or the hide of the animal it wishes to take the form of. And many times it is mentioned that common skins that they would prefer would be a coyote, wolf, bear, fox, and owl, okay. though they did not exclusively change into those animals. I see. It just makes sense because you kind of want to harness the energy of something that is a bit more stealthy or, you know, a uh, kind of an apex predator type. Yeah. Or depending on what it is that they're trying to accomplish, right? Yeah. And um, so this is mostly practiced by men, but can be practiced by many genders. Often they practice medicine under the guise of doing good and helping to ail the sick, but many times they would be called to remove the hex of their own doing. Mm. And it is seldomly talked about in groups or gatherings and is mainly reserved for people that you are related to or that you trust implicitly. Okay. So you don't normally just talk about these types of witchcraft and witchery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also important on how you bring up the topic and you wouldn't just say, so I hear you know about witchcraft. Can you tell me what you know? 
Hey, that witchcraft you ever hear of it you ever hear about it <laughs> as that would be like truly insulting that someone would insinuate that you know such like devilish things right a better approach would be to say hey you have lived such a long life and are well experienced in the world do you have any stories about witchcraft and those that practice it or you could even say you live in this area i'm sure you've had some crazy encounters with the phenomena that happens there very cool because you're kind of you're interested, you're stating you're interested, but you're not directly placing mm -hmm. that on one person. And there is also the thought that the people who ask about this type of witchery and witchcraft are doing so because they're involved in it. Yeah, they might have ill intentions towards you. Maybe and they're they want, looking for other people they, to recruit. Yeah, maybe they don't like how you're thriving over there. They want to put a little hex on you or mm -hmm. something. So they got to know how much you know. Yeah. You never know. Exactly. And uh, Clyde Cluckhone, of, who wrote the Navajo Witchcraft in 1944, started interviewing different informants starting in 1923. He conducted 132 formal interviews with Whoa. 93 different informants. Cool. 25 interviews that were ongoing conversations carried over three years. 115 conversations with 102 individual informants. 16 different white informants. 87 pages of notes given to him by colleagues and about 12 pages of gossip or conversations about witchcraft between the Diné. Whoa, this guy was in it. He conducted a lot of research. And so he is referenced quite a bit in here because yeah, of his... I, yeah, I have heard the name a couple times now, but that's... Mm -hmm, his care in the subject, so... Oof, good for him. Yeah. And many of these conversations were spoken in Navajo, so he was fluent. Cool! Yeah. And... Some of these interviews Turned raged. Out. Cool. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I meant that, I guess. It is cool to learn. <laughs> and so most of these interviews ranged from ages between 15 to 90, past 90. Wow. Yeah. So it was a lot of different, um, different generations of, of information. And one informant told uh, Cluckhone, quote, you know that a lot of things have been written about the Navajo Indians. You know, too, that a lot of these things were lies by people who had never been out here or had just talked to a few no-good Indians in Gallup or at, a, at some agency. But white people read those things and believe them and all get, get all their ideas about Navajo from them, end quote. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's I had to do this topic justice and find information at the source and bring it all before you listeners out there. Absolutely. And Cluckhone talks about how there's no real equivalent in any other language to the Navajo words used at the time to name what it is that we're talking about. But in his research, he concluded that there were four different principal techniques, and he refers to them as witchery, sorcery, wizardry, and frenzy witchcraft. Whoa, frenzy witchcraft. Yes. Honestly, that sounds like some sort of like power up your superhero would have. Yeah. <laughs> frenzy oh, witchcraft. This is the ultimate. Frenzy witchcraft unleash. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to start with witchery and then go through the list. All right. Let's do it. So this is the most common form of witchcraft and is associated with death and incest. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just get straight <laughs> into it. Death and incest. Yeah, there's a there's a <laughs> lot of mentions. Everything about this surrounds death and it's a lot of the rituals involve incest. So God, okay. Yeah. Let's and do it. So this practice was often passed down from parent to child or between spouses. 
and is mostly motivated by jealousy and envy. And so according to an essay titled An Examination of Navajo Witchcraft and Its Influences on the Thoughts and Actions of the Navajo People, written by Terrell R. Palmer from Utah State University Graduate Studies in 1974, he also refers to this practice as witchery. And he writes, quote, the technique of witchery is accomplished through the use of a preparation commonly referred to as a corpse poison. Oh my goodness. So this preparation is made by grinding the flesh what? of dried corpses um, into a fine powder, which looks very much like pollen. The best medicine comes from the flesh of children. Mm -hmm. If twin children can be obtained, this makes especially powerful medicine. Why do I feel like you're just telling me an Illuminati secret to Hollywood skincare? <laughs> How do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like something that they would make um and then it goes on to say that the bones at the back of the head cut into circle shape and any place where there's uh there are skin whirls or spirals such as the a thumb uh fingertips and the balls of the feet are preferred body parts representing strength and life such as the achilles tendon uh sinew or the fetus of a pregnant woman are also used in witchery end quote and you immediately went to your fingertips just like everyone else that's listening when i said fingertips because i was like <clears throat> excuse me i was thinking about how everyone has like different fingerprint patterns some people have a swirl an arch so then i was seeing how many of my fingers have swirls mm -hmm. and all or of even scars really because that's also telling so true my pinky and my thumb are swirls but then my other three fingers index ring and middle are the arches yeah they are right they kind of go up and come back down oh but on my left hand they're all swirls and everyone oh wait is... what the f my index finger on my left hand looks like a triangle oh really look at that and now dyson's looking too look at this oh yeah okay i totally see that yeah wow heck? dyson what kind of fingertips you got over there fingertips dyson well, then they're probably swirls if you can't tell the difference. I think a swirl would like, kind of like go up and like around and like swirl into each other. And, um, and an arch is kind of when it comes up from the bottom and arches around and comes back down the side of the finger. Let me see Dyson. What the? F Why are your fingers so wrinkly? <laughs> Wait, a 90 year old woman? Do you have a bath recently? This kid doesn't have fingerprints. He just seared them all off, eh? Oh my god, this kid has no fingerprints. <gasps> he's either an AI bot. Oh my god. Or he's committed tax fraud. What if he <laughs> is like an effigy and like an artifact smuggler and he's burned them off so no one can find him? Anti he keeps talking Jones. about it. He keeps bringing You're it up. Right. If you say effigy, I instantly think of this kid. Mm-hmm exactly i know what i'm talking about i see it oh my god how did we get here okay and sorry i was definitely looking at my fingers That's while okay, you were telling yeah. that because i was like this is fascinating I, it is fascinating I'm not flexible enough to stare at the ball of my heel so let me just look at my fingerprints I, I, it's the easiest <laughs> uh, to put up right in front of your face my toe prints no okay continue page okay. we're done with this <laughs> dyson immediately pulls up the sock oh, i was looking <laughs> trying to see through his sock 
nope they're all they're all uh, seared off on his toes too all gone he doesn't exist in this look realm at those arches the highest arches on this kid's feet look at them <laughs> so high <laughs> Okay, so they go on to describe how this poison can be administered. So it can be blown into someone's face. It can be dropped through a smoke hole of a Hogan, which is a type of shelter. Mm. It can be placed in food or drink or dusted onto the face of a sleeping person or even placed in your cigarettes. God, I smoke that. They're already poison. <laughs> <laughs> Just add, what's one more, right? Yeah, let's add it to it. And according to Clocone, this causes, quote, fainting, lockjaw, a tongue, a black tongue and swollen um, immediate unconsciousness or some similar dramatic symptom is usually said to result promptly. Sometimes, however, the effects are less obvious. The victim gradually wastes away and the usual ceremony treatments are unavailing, end quote. What a nightmare. I know. Uh, Side note, I used to have like a crippling fear of lockjaw. Oh, you did? Yeah. Why? I I don't know. I was just always so afraid that I would get lockjaw. Oh, I wonder where that stems from for you. I don't know, man. What does most things stem from for me? <laughs> <laughs> so I was instantly just like, <gasps> not the lockjaw. <laughs> I want to eat. No. Just give me this. Just give me the poison sake. I don't care. <laughs> just not the lockjaw. Not the lockjaw. <laughs> so he goes on to say, quote, Witches, as where animals meet at night to plan concerted actions against victims, to initiate new members, to have intercourse with dead women, to practice Mm. cannibalism, to kill victims at a distance. The place of assembly is most often said to be a cave. The witches sit in a circle surrounded by piles or baskets of corpse flesh. Some informants said that the rows of inidentifiable human heads were likewise stored in the cave. The proceedings are directed by a chief witch for all whom all the others just work. This chief witch and others leading the witches are thought to be of as rich, but they are assisted by a class of menial helpers, and these are said to be poor, so poor that the sheer self-preservation demands that they work for the witches, end quote. That was really scary. It's like <laughs> heads in baskets, like surrounded by the flesh. Yeah. Flesh in baskets used to be dried and turned into a powder or eaten because of cannibalism. I mean, and they're in like a cave or like a shelter or something. What if someone just yes. puffs that poison right down into them? I, mean, I don't know what the difference between a cave and a Hogan <laughs> is, but. <laughs> well, Hogan is a structure that has been built by the indigenous and it oh, has okay. a um they're tall i think they're bigger and more firm than like a teepee okay and um they have a hole in the top for like a smoke hole so mm-hmm. that they can release that so you can climb onto them and, and then see. you can drop that into there so like literally the exact opposite of a cave yes <laughs> yeah and a lot of these meetings that were taken in caves are because they wanted it's a secret meeting mm-hmm. so th- that's why they're so elusive that's so true yeah well, the heads is well. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, um, having intercourse with a dead woman. Okay, yeah. Also part of that, too. So in the <laughs> book, Hunt for Skinwalker by Colm A. Keller, published in 2005, Keller writes, quote, The Navajo skinwalkers use mind control to make their victims do things to hurt themselves and even end their lives. The skinwalker is a very powerful witch. 
It can run faster than a car and can jump missile cliffs without any effort at all. End quote. Paige, I thought we were talking about skinwalkers, not Superman. Um, well, they're one and the same, I guess. <laughs> God, that's scary. Yeah, it is. And yeah, they take on the the speed and the strength of whichever animal they are possessing, I guess. I mean, it makes sense, but mm-hmm. still really creepy. It is creepy. And in the book, Nevada attorney Michael Stuff uh, represented many Native Americans and even filed legal papers against a Navajo witch which I think he is the only person to do. Um, The basics of the case was that there was a dispute over financial support in custody of a child between a Navajo mother and Apache father. The father took the son for a night, and when the son returned to his mother, he told her of what happened that night. Quote, according to the son, he spent the night with his father and a medicine man. They built a fire atop a cliff, and for many hours, the medicine man performed ceremonies, songs, and incantations around the fire. As dawn broke, the three traveled to a wooded area near a cemetery where they dug a hole. Into the hole, the medicine man deposited two dolls. One of the dolls was made of dark wood and the other of light. It was as if the two dolls were meant to represent the mother and her lawyer. He sought the advice of a Navajo professor at a nearby community college. He told me that the ceremony I had described was very powerful and very serious and that it meant that I was supposed to end up buried in that cemetery, Stuff says. He also said that a witch can perform this type of ceremony only four times in his life because if he tries it more than that, the curse would come back on the witch himself. He also told me that if the intended victim found out about it, then the curse would come back onto the person who had requested it, end quote. Oh my goodness so lots of rules and and regulations with the ceremonies and the practices that happen it, yeah yeah so i'm just thinking about like this lawyer and who he is and if he even should have a say in all of this and mm-hmm. i mean he is representing the mother and the, it, it is about a child custody battle and he did talk to a navajo professor to get clearance on what is happening yeah and because he found out about it that curse was reversed. Uh-oh. So at the end of the case, the husband ended up agreeing to the granting the total custody of the child to the mother, as well as back paying all child support. Oh, damn. So Stuff notes that, quote, not all witches are skinwalkers, but all skinwalkers are witches, and skinwalkers are at the top, end quote. Okay. I mean, that does make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into more of like the the witch and skinwalker and who is kind of associated with the wear animal aspect of it too. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm like, mm-hmm, like I yeah, know, but I yes, I just yeah, you don't okay. know anything. No, I mean, yes, sounds good. Paige. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, according to Native American anthropologist Dan Ben Benyashik of Benyashik. Of University of Nevada, Las Vegas, in Hunt for the Skinwalker by Keller, he claims that, quote, skinwalkers are purely evil in intent. I'm no expert on it, but the general view is that skinwalkers do all sorts of terrible things. They make people sick. They commit murders. They are grave robbers and necrophiliacs. They are greedy and evil people who must kill a sibling or other relative to be initiated as a skinwalker. They supposedly can turn into were animals and can travel in supernatural ways, end quote. I think a lot of that was really, really harsh, but um, okay. But there are many accounts of the same thing happening and over and over again. So as while it's harsh, yeah, it's not exactly wrong either. 
Yeah. And there has also been claims of these practitioners of dark magic that can cause paralysis or hallucinations or might even curse you on the spot depending on the will of the user with many deaths made to look like an accident. Ooh, that's sinister. So some examples might be if that you're eating something, you might start to choke, you get into a car accident, or you're mugged. So it, depending on which way they throw that curse or that hex at you. Very true. Mm -hmm. Capable to disguise even that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Additionally, in the North American Indian being a series of volume pictures picturing and describing the indians of the united states and alaska written by edward s curtis in 1907 who was an american photographer and ethnologist who just uh decided uh to dedicate 20 years of his life to documenting pre-colonized native americans hmm. and in the introduction of the first volume he writes quote the information that is being gathered respecting the mode of life of one of the great races of mankind must be collected at once or the opportunity will be lost, end quote. Okay. So he did, he recognized the importance of gathering this type of information and understanding the way of the Navajo, which is really good for trying to find the truth in what happens or mm -hmm. what is going on with skinwalkers, quote unquote, witchery too. Yeah, absolutely. And so he continues on, quote, so... Ardent are the Yuma, which is one of the tribes mentioned in the volumes, in belief that their medicine men are possessed of supernatural uh, power, that most of them expect relief in a time of illness from the mere presence of one of these sacred healers. Their faith is unbound in the belief that his godly breath, at his bidding, can dispel all mental and physical evils. On the other hand, medicine men are feared for their power also to inflict evil. Belief in witchcraft and its malevolent effects is deep-rooted in the tribe. Disease is irreversibly attributed to sorcery, and the medicine men are usually accused of employing their power in this direction. Seldom do medicine men die a natural death. Since they are believed to possess superhuman powers, all are regarded with suspicion when abnormal conditions arise. Faith in their powers never wanes, but faith in their will often does. And this leads to the death of many healers whenever the tribe is afflicted by an epidemic. If a medicine man loses several patients, his own life pays the penalty for he could have saved them if he would. End quote. Wow. So a lot of information there, but basically, you know, they're, um, the medicine men are feared for their power that mm -hmm. they can inflict, but they also know that, you know, they can also heal them if they wish to. Yeah, it's kind of like the medicine men have a lot of power. They do. At their hands. And it's like, oh my goodness, who are you, I guess, to have this much power? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this example, this quote, you have the ability to do both, take or give. Mm -hmm. And well, and if you lose too many patients, people grow suspicious of your actions. It's also interesting to hear the quotes you give from people who are studying it or writing about skinwalkers and witchcraft and kind of hearing that they're coming to the same consensus of like and descriptions mm -hmm. they're very similar mm -hmm. all across the board <clears throat> but, so now we're going to get into um sorcery 
So some believe that witchery would be a term used in regard to the health of a specific individual, while sorcery is more advanced and can be used when placing like a hex on property, crops, animals, and machine equipment. And so basically anything outside of the individual in certain circumstances, even like whole groups of people. And Cluckhone describes sorcery as, quote, essentially an enchantment by spell. The sorcerer does not need to encounter his victim personally at all. He must merely obtain a bit of the victim's clothing or better personal full, such as hair, nails, skin or urine, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, this would be buried with flesh or other material from a grave or buried in a grave or under a lightning struck tree. The wow. sorcerer will then recite a spell, often setting the number of days after which the victim is to die. The incantation may be recited um, as a prayer in a chant or maybe in a song or both song and spoken formulas, end quote. Okay. And this is specifically for sorcery. Yes, this is more of a sorcery Mm -hmm. kind of um, uh, technique, Mm -hmm. I guess. Technique. Yes, yes, techniques. Um, And there is also a story recounting in Palmer's An Examination of Navajo Witchcraft where a close friend of his who tells him, quote, he had bought a new pickup truck, which would not hold the road. It would suddenly dart to one side of the road or the other and several times had come near to causing him to have serious accidents. He had taken the truck to the dealer on several occasions to have it checked and each time was told that they could not find anything wrong. He became very fearful that he was going to be injured or killed as a result of the truck continuing its sudden darting. He then decided to take his truck to a Navajo medicine man to attempt to find out the problem. He states that he had told by the he was told by the medicine man that his truck had a spell on it. He was then directed by a, the medicine man to part of the truck's steering mechanism where he found some human hair and a flint arrowhead tied in a manner so that the arrowhead would swing like a pendulum under certain conditions. This he was told was the cause of his problems with the truck. The objects were removed and a blessing performed by the medicine man and the truck's owner had no further problems with the truck, end quote. Oh, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh my goodness, that is really creepy, but also interesting because you'd think, you always think like, oh, someone's going to put a spell or a hex on you as a person. You don't usually think mm-hmm. somebody could hex like your vehicle or especially your vehicle, which is really creepy because I bet that's like, a lot of people's form of like livelihood and transportation mm-hmm. and that. And especially wouldn't... for um, indigenous peoples to get something brand new like that. Yeah. Um, it would cause a lot of jealousy. So, and that could be a main cause for someone else to do this because they are jealous that they don't have as much or mm-hmm. um, the new item or whatever, or a wife, whatever it whatever is. Whatever the case is. Yeah. yeah. That's just a really good, interesting example because... Like I said, your my mind anyway initially goes to cursing or hexing mm-hmm. a person, not their new pickup truck. But yeah, definitely different levels. Yeah, that's, it's, it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there is also like the idea that each sorcerer would have their own element unique to them that would help perform his power. Um, but some might not even have that as well. So they could be like the sun, lightning particular animals a particular artifact rain the moon whatever they're tied to could help enforce their power Mm -hmm. and next we're looking at wizardry 
So this type of practice focuses on injecting a foreign object into the victim or placing the item near the victim, such as stones, bone, ashes, charcoal, a turquoise bead. The (laughs) term arrows are usually used to pierce like the skin and inject the intended victim. I feel like this one is going to get dark. Yeah. (laughs) And so Cluckholm mentions that, quote, ashes from a ghost Hogan beads especially a bead that had belonged to the intended victim bits of bone or teeth from a corpse grain of sand from an ant red uh, red anthill pieces of yucca porcupine quills oliviella shells deer hair wild cat's whisker um, fragments from rocks burned uh, for a sweat bath um, the shooting was to be carried out like through a tube okay so end quote and some believe that the wizards are typically old men as no women were mentioned to perform this magic also interesting because i do always picture like a weird little man Mm -hmm. (laughs) so they could also set the amount of time as well between being injected with this object and the curse um before they die as well wow these people are way too powerful for their own good yeah (laughs) And let's also get into Frenzy Witchcraft. Yeah! Yeah, the one you're excited of. Oh, hi. Hello. It's Dom. And along with my co-host Amy, we are the hosts of Horror House, True Crime, and The Macabre. If, like us, you have a morbid curiosity with true crime, the paranormal, cults, and more, then our show may just satisfy your curiosities. We release episodes on Fridays and bonus episodes every other Wednesday. You can listen to us wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also find us on Instagram at horrorhouse underscore pod. So all that's left to say is until next time, my friends, stay spooky. I just find the name so fascinating. Yeah, it is. Frenzy. It just sounds like fucking pandemonium. It does. It sounds crazy. And it's like the more rare form as well. It uses plants to perform like love magic or to gain wealth in gambling or trading. Maybe this is why I'm curious. It is also referred to as prostitution way. All right. Let's do it. This is the (laughs) sex work witchery. Yeah. (laughs) Though it is seldom mentioned and is never talked about by women or children and is never mentioned in the presence of children. Um, The Tura, a type of plant that is commonly used in frenzy witchcraft, can be administered through uh, food. Fooled? (laughs) Can be administered to a fool (laughs) through food. Uh, Rolled in a cigarette. Um, through kissing or by the victim coming in contact with the plant and the objects. Okay. Um, and there has not been any mention of those that practice this um, that are also connected to like wear animals. Interesting. So it's not a feature of it. Um, but there is mention of killing of a sibling to be initiated and also mentions incest, particularly with a sister. Um, and this witchcraft is mainly intended towards the rich, obviously. Oh, yeah. The incest can't escape it. It was mentioned multiple times that it was particularly incest with the sister. So, okay. And so we're kind of going to look at now like Skinwalker Ranch. I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a more modern take surrounding the lore um, 
that is Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. And it's based in Utah at what was formerly known as Sherman Ranch, which has had many sightings of different phenomena, including UFOs, cattle mutilations, crop circles, and of course the Skinwalkers. Oh, um goodness. yeah it's also a hot spot yeah it's also known as ufo ranch as oh well. i did not i haven't heard that yeah so it has a couple of different names it covers about 512 acres near ballard utah and it sits in the connecting land on the reservation between ashley national forest and ure okay and the uinta and ure reservation is in northern utah about 150 miles or 241.4 kilometers east of salt lake city mm-hmm. and the uh uinta and ure reserve is the second largest reservation in the u.s and it covers 4.5 million acres with about 4,000 members uh, okay that's a lot of acres and there's only 4,000 members yes uh not all of them live on the reservation. I see. But yeah, remember, as soon as I said it, I was like, uh, girl, girl. Yes. <laughs> but also remember that the Uinta and Uruwe Reservation holds the Ute tribe there, mm-hmm. which had conducted evils and atrocities against the Navajo people, right? They sure did. Yes. Sure did. So um, the this ranch borders the uinta and ure reservation and the indigenous have long claimed that the ranch is in the path of like skinwalkers oh and for anyone who is interested there is a ufo valley campgrounds and utv tours close to the area if this is your ideal vacation i mean it's like one of my ideals if you want to check it out (laughs) you go camping in the area i want to go camping don't use a tent because of the skinwalkers (laughs) use an rv lock the doors I didn't even think of that. And there's other, obviously other creatures and like Bigfoot and UFOs and whatever say, else. It's not even just skinwalkers you got to look out for. Everything. There's cattle mutilation. Who knows what that's from? Is it, exactly. Is it from an alien? Is it from another creepy thing? Yes. A lot of creepy <laughs> things happen. So get some steel doors. <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, 1911, there would be reports in the newspaper about strange noises in the Uinta Basin, which is this location. The article reads, quote, rumblings heard in Uinta Basin. Strange noises caused new settlers much uneasiness. Theodore, Utah, Utah, um, Utah, sorry. Utah, the- Utah, Theodore, Utah. <laughs> Utah, Utah. Just like, you're like desperate. Like, Utah. I'm getting mixed up between Uinta, Utah, and Utah. Oh my God, there's a lot of U's. There is. Uh, December 30th. Many residents of Uinta... Uh, oh my God, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> okay. Please, fresh start, fresh start. Fresh Let's start. go. Okay. Many residents of Utah and the East who have been in the Uinta Basin since Election Day examining lands they purchased in the Provo government sale have noticed within wonder the occasional rumblings resembling explosions or distant thunder that can be heard throughout the section at intervals every calm day and night. There have been much speculations as to the nature or cause of this phenomenon, and various theories have been advanced, but more or less fanciful or imaginary. Homesteaders have heard these detonations every quiet day since the former Uinta Indian Reservation was opened to settlement over five years ago and have become so familiar with them that they have long since ceased to pay any attention to what seems most unusual or alarming to strangers. 
From the fact that the mysterious noise is heard just as frequently in winter as in summer, and that the volume of sound remains almost constant from the beginning to the end of the given, uh, of the given to five, sorry, of the given to 15 seconds it lasts, and that there are never any single isolated reports, the explanations of distant thunder or blast have been abandoned, end quote. As you were reading that, I was like, oh, that's fine. Just get Kevin Bacon out here. It sounds like a tremor. But then you said for five years. Yes. At these regular intervals. Summer, winter, all year long. That is crazy. And the, uh, oh my God. Since the reservation opened. That's wild. And then to the fact, like to the point that people are just like, eh, you know, like it's it's, it's a regular thing. We always hear it. Like, come on. I don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? But, 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 But what is it though? Yeah. Regular intervals for like five fucking years. On calm days. So not just days where it's stormy on every day. Yeah. Wild. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's a like hurricane season or tornado season. It's like, no, it's year round. Yeah. And I wonder if like the connection between like the witch purge that happened in 1878 has something to do with like the sightings and the phenomena that happens here. Like uh-huh. some believe that in retaliation, the Navajo people curse skinwalkers upon the Ute tribes or that witches travel to live among them, cursing the Ute for their participation. Oh, that's really, really creepy. Right? But it's at but this point, any speculation is... You fucked with their people. Well, yeah. Consequences, actions. So... I just have like a million things running through my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if it was actually true and what that sound is. What that sound is, yeah. That's so consistent. I just... Yeah. Keep... You can keep going. I'm, okay. I'm just like gonna have a little Travel like off. in my mind, but I have a little board with these like red strings everywhere, and I'm just mm-hmm. gonna be like, okay, let's see here. Yeah, let's let's pull more <laughs> strings into it. So this ranch has been featured in the film Skinwalker Ranch in 2013, and is based on the legend, sightings, and myths surrounding the area. And it was also featured in a documentary titled Hunt for the Skinwalker and talks about the paranormal encounters locals have witnessed. And more recently, it has been on its own TV show on the History Channel called The Secrets of Skinwalker Ranch, which aired in 2020 and is still going. Wow. All of these are like per- fairly recent within the yeah. last decade. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so on November 18th, uh, 27, 2027. 27. 27, 2007, <laughs> uh, lead investigator, president, and CEO of Crypto Four Corners, uh, J.C. Johnson, and investigator David Oritz interviewed Chief Leonard Dan of the Navajo people. And uh, Crypto Four Corners is a group of researchers and investigators who study many different strange and elusive creatures in the corners of Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Utah. So it's right in the Navajo area. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much crazy stuff you got going on there. Well, if they've uh, like made a whole group <laughs> yeah. to study all this phenomena and all these different cryptids and creatures and lore, mm-hmm. there's got to be quite a bit going on down there. Definitely be an interesting study. It would be. <laughs> so let's see what we can connect to what. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of the time you don't hear very many Native Americans talking about this part of their culture because even saying the name might invite them into your life. I've, I've actually heard that. Yeah, I've heard that some people won't even say skinwalker yeah very and which is why a lot of people use witchery magic Mm -hmm. that type of stuff 
Okay, yes, that makes sense. It's a little bit more respectful than Skinwalker, even Shapeshifter. Well, like you said, Skinwalker isn't even a term that they use. No. So, in the interview with uh, Chief Dan, it takes place in Texnos Post, Arizona. And he talks about at the age of six or seven, he would visit his grandparents and he would ask about the things in the night that would make the dogs bark. They told him that there can um, that they can show themselves to you or not, and they can take the form of an animal or a human or half animal and half human. And they also <laughs> told him that during the time when the Spanish cavalry cavalry would come onto native lands, these creatures of the night would go into their camps disguised as animals and spy on the Spanish to understand what their plans were, where they were preparing to go, and then take this information back to the tribes. Okay, that's just smart. <laughs> yeah, so in this instance, skinwalkers slash the witches mm-hmm. would actually work and help the Navajo people. So yeah. it's a completely different relationship um, at this point. Right, yeah. Before the Spanish came in and moved them to Fort Sumner. That's right. Don't forget that. Yeah. I'm just still thinking about like a six or seven year old coming in and being like, <laughs> what's going on? Tell me about the myths. <laughs> really fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. Sure. My scary six year old. Let me tell you. Yeah. And uh, JC Johnson asked Chief Dan what a skinwalker would need to do in order to practice the dark art and the magic. Chief Dan confirms that uh, one would have to sacrifice a loved one be it a mom, dad, sibling, grandparent, child, in order for it to take hold upon the person and for the magic to work. He also mentions that if someone were to become jealous of something that you had, they could hire a skinwalker um, or a witch to place a hex upon you and immediately this curse would take effect and then the person who requested this hex gains whatever it is that they seek. Hmm. He goes on to say that if you visited a medicine man or woman in your tribe to heal a sickness, they might tell you that someone close to you inflicted this upon you, but would never name names as that would ca- uh, as to who would cause this illness, because this might fuel uh, a retaliation from both sides to keep the peace. Um, they inform them to be watchful in their community just in case. Yeah, or imagine you were wrong mm-hmm. and you were like, "Oh, that was definitely Jim." down the road especially if they killed that person and yeah they weren't one and then it was like oh fuck did i say jim oh my god I'm and it's such an insult too to call Mm -hmm. someone once you have to be sure of this before you make any inquiries into it yeah something at this magnitude even think about how you had said just in general if you wanted to talk about it you You should be careful yeah you shouldn't just bring it up like talk about witchery yeah you have to really approach it right Mm -hmm. let alone this whole other level of literally saying yeah that person is probably the one that is is responsible for this Mm -hmm. big accusations wow yeah yeah and um chief dan's even says that nowadays a seven-year-old could become a skinwalker if they wished okay and how this happens is that this small secret society of uh witchery and witchcraft would secretly meet weekly or so and it is in a place where they could indoctrinate you and show you the ways of this type of practice. And uh, David inquires further about the ritual of practice. And Chief, Chief Dan says, quote, they tell me that when you go inside a meeting, they lay out different skins and you have to stand behind each one. And while they're singing, that skin will start to creep up onto oh you and dressing you up of whatever skin you were standing behind. <laughs> and it may be, like I said, a fox or an elk or just whatever 
and then the head man will say okay try that out and take a run out there a mile and then come back and turn in and see if that's the one you want to be in end quote oh my god that's fucking creepy and mm-hmm. you could be seven years old at this point yeah exactly you yeah you don't know what you're doing and you can kill your mom or your sibling or whatever and also it's never good if somebody talks about the word indoctrinate i know never good it's it's a creepy word (laughs) yeah it's like okay it's only downhill from here yeah and chief dan even recalls a time when he saw one of these witches okay quote they would try and imitate whatever hide is on them like if they're an elk I've seen an elk out here. You know, there's no elk down in this area, just up in the mountains. That night I saw one out here and I looked at it and I just brushed it off and I thought, oh, okay, they're around here, probably traveling from that mountain to this mountain, end quote. And then JC comments, quote, I understand that there's always something kinky about the animal that they're trying to emulate. There's just something that isn't quite right, end quote. Oh my God. And Chief Dan replies, quote, this elk it looked at me and it turned around the back end of it just dragged around he didn't turn around like an animal would this one would just drag its hindquarters end quote i'm so creeped out so as they're moving their front legs the back legs are just kind of dragging behind them because they're humans they walk on two legs they don't have four legs they're not thinking about it it is still nightmare fuel i'm just imagining like if you weren't really familiar with with this and the idea that somebody could be practicing this sort of witchery mm-hmm. and you're like, can't wait to wind down for the night. I'm in my cozy little cabin, get my fire going and you look out the window and you're like, fucking sick. I didn't know I could see an elk around here. Mm-hmm. And then you're just like, it looks at like you. Yeah. You're just like, wow, what a beautiful elk. And then you're like, is that elk fucking looking at me right now? Yeah. What's wrong with this elk? And then you realize you've been making eye contact for a little bit too long. And mm-hmm. then it goes to walk away. And its hind legs are, are just dragging. It's nightmare fuel. Oh, my God. I want to see this horror movie. Though. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> Tyson. <laughs> so... <clears throat> JC asks about whether he believes that skinwalkers can only fool so many people at a time, which Chief Dan agrees with and comments that five or six people would probably see a coyote, while others might claim to see something different hiding behind the trees. That's just worse. That just makes it worse. Yeah, and he also mentions that other animals can see it for what it is, and skinwalkers are only able to fool humans into believing that it is something that it's not. That makes sense to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of animals have that intuitive knowledge yeah. that something is dangerous and something's not right and they can sense that. Uh, yeah. Especially because like you're probably going to smell like a weird ass human that's just dressed up like disguising like an elk. and it Smells like a dead animal hide. Even while JC, David and the crew were visiting Chief Dan and staying on the land, David wonders if the reason why their dogs ran back into their tent is because they saw one of these skinwalkers. Chief Dan replies, quote, Yes, like that one dog in particular with the red eyes, I think that was one of them, end quote. I would think that's a fair assumption. When have you ever seen a wild animal with red eyes? It was their own dogs. Well, even worse. Yeah, to which David says, quote, that was something the crew had never experienced before. It's glowing red eyes on a dog, end quote. 
Yeah. And they also had a second incident where JC's daughter and her cousin had come to visit the crew while they were camped out in Texnos Post, Arizona, and the girls started screaming. Mm-mm. Chief Dan recalls what happens and says, quote, the girls came running in here. They were all scared. And Shelby said, there was somebody over there in the bushes calling Laura by her name. Oh it said, God. Laura, Laura, come here. Come here, Laura. Oh, my. Quote. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fucking creepy. I should have said it creepier. Laura. Yeah. Laura, come here. Come here, Laura. Come here, Laura. Now it's being a weird little creepy mimic. Mm-hmm. I don't like it. Calling out the name. And um, it is also noted that Laura does not live in the area. Oh, good. And would not know anyone except the crew. Mm-hmm. And the area that the voice was coming from was very thick with bushes and you could hardly see into it. Ew, something is just there taking in everything and spying and watching. Mm-hmm. Hiding in the bushes. No, thank you. Now, say you live in an area that has these witches, these skinwalkers roaming the land. No. How do you keep them from visiting you? Uh, you get an effigy. You get an effigy. <laughs> That's everyone's response. Uh, assault barrier. Like supernatural, gotcha. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta salt the windows, salt a circle. I would like to know, just in case. Yeah. Well, Chief Dan suggests burning cedar or sagebrush and bless yourself in the smoke. All right. There were also multiple sources who also mentioned that by calling the witch uh, by their name, by their real name, mm. and declaring that you know that they are a witch can get them to stop okay. and can okay. diffuse some of their power. And another option, which might be difficult in the modern age, is to not give out your true name as a sorcerer can hex you once they know who you are. Oh, good. So, I mean, we're all over social media, exactly. all over the internet. They can curse you from afar, so. I mean, most people don't know my last name. I, they don't know mine, and we're going to keep yeah. it that way. I rarely put my last name on anything. Even think about, like, my Instagram or Facebook pages. Mm. Don't have my last name Smart. There smart so have fun because it's a weird ass fucking last name and you're not gonna know unless you know me outside of this podcast mm-hmm. and like please don't don't put me on blast okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly i don't want to be cursed yeah don't curse in us, any please. other way than i already am yeah to all the sorcerers and the <laughs> witches and and the skinwalkers we do this because we want to learn more yeah please don't curse us don't curse We're us just uh we just want to be a little bit more knowledgeable in your culture just educating man yeah and educating the world one, one podcast pod- episode oh at a time God, I, was I, was say, the same thing. I was gonna be like one pod episode at a time and you basically just said that so we, we got it see we look at it we have our own witchcraft going on here we are we do we're in sync we're always let's, in sync. let's not mess with fire and fire okay like today when i came over here and you were by the door yes she could feel she knew that i was like on the way up <laughs> i was expecting you to be right outside the door though so i like looked through the people and you were already there knocking and i was like scared the crap my out of soul her left my body for a second <laughs> you're welcome keeping you on your toes oh my god yeah so that's all i got oh yeah oh Absolutely. i know you wanted more but i mean i have to stop somewhere right no it was, uh, it was amazing, as always. At least I ended on what you could do to prevent them from coming after you. Yeah. Or how I to protect to yourself. some cedar and and sagebrush. I mm-hmm. I got to uh, dance around in that smoke a bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it after this so that we can cleanse the area. I mean, at least we're already good and we don't have our last name plastered everywhere. Mm-hmm. Our true names. 
although I live with one Dyson, and I think his last name is plastered everywhere. Well, no, no. <laughs> as he's looking at his fingertips, his seared still, off fingertips. You look over and he's still looking at his fingers. At his wrinkly seared off fingertips. Yeah, Dyson, can you explain to the people why your fingers are so pruney? They didn't come here to fight me. No one's going to know who did it. Well, they came here, so. I don't know. Maybe I just eat a lot of salt. Yeah, he's just... <laughs> It's pruned up. Do you handle a lot of like really hot, hot, hot mugs uh, or of coffee or pots without any uh, gloves taking trays out of the <laughs> oven? He's like, no, 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 no. He's just a weird ass pruny man. Pruny man. <laughs> You're creeping me out over there. I got the shrivel. I got a touch of the shrivel. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed the episode, and uh, if anyone else has any other suggestions, I'm happy to uh, yeah. to do them. Great suggestion, Sonia. Yes, thank you, Sonia, for the suggestion. I enjoyed it. Thing. Skinwalker is perfect. I, really... I would have also recommended that. Mm-hmm. So it's good. You did a really good job. Thank um, you. I really enjoyed it because Skinwalker is something that I've just heard of, sort of, loosely and here and there especially when it comes to like skinwalker ranch i feel like if anyone's heard of skinwalker it's usually because of skinwalker ranch yeah and then the story that gets told mostly surrounding that so i really liked the way that you delivered it and giving us more of a, a history of background as to where it could have originated from and yeah, i just really enjoyed it and i'm really creeped out by those stories especially told mm-hmm. towards the end some of the stories are creepy as hell. They are. And the things that you have to do to become a part of that kind of secret society yeah. is atrocious. Secret Skinwalker Society. Mm-hmm. It's not the SS. It's the triple S. It's the triple S. That's yeah. in poor taste. I'm sorry. <laughs> you massacred that joke. Shut up. But yeah, so hopefully everyone... Uh, got their fix this week and really enjoyed this episode i'm happy to do it for you guys and hopefully you learned a lot i think everyone learned a lot this is like technically our april episode because you're every other month and you were in in february and you should have been in in april but then i had to go and do so much research that i released a two-parter and i was busy with other things so it turned out best for may 1st but like yeah it's may 1st like it's we're barely into may so then you're technically going to be back in june mm-hmm. so you have you listeners have plenty of times to send in uh plenty of time to send in more suggestions mm-hmm. as to what you would like to hear from Paige. and like you said if you have any um skinwalker-esque stories tales whatever or mothman or puckwidgies any of the ones we've covered so far yeah or any ones we might cover in the future. I might feature that story on whatever episode it is uh, pertaining to. Exactly. So send those in. Where can they send them, Brie? Well, uh, we are on Instagram at uh, Dark Adaptation Podcast. That's really the best place to send them. But also, you know, we got a Gmail. That's probably If it's a really long story, then maybe Gmail is probably the best place. Dark Adaptation Podcast at gmail.com. Very original mm-hmm. title. And in the subject line, please put in that this is a story for an episode. Yeah. If there's a specific episode or you can put down that it's like a story for future episodes. 
Yes, don't. You could even put in just specifically like "fuck you, Dyson." Yeah, if you want to make a comment to someone here, <laughs> any any sort of submission is appreciated, and we can you know sift through that and put it where it's where it's needed mm-hmm. or wanted. Um, Instagram is more a place that you can follow us if you want to see photos related to this case. Or any of the cases we cover. Paige, I don't know if you have any photos for this one that you can send me, but... You can pull up a couple if you'd like. We, any case we cover, we always have some sort of reels and photos for it. Again, Dark Adaptation Podcast. And then if you want to check out our website, that's great. We have our sources there. We've got merch, which I also wanted to say thank you very much, Cindy, who is a loyal listener. Oh, thank she you, Cindy. faithfully every Monday, loves loves a cindy she bought all a dark patch. love to cindy she is great she is always commenting on our posts and faithfully listening she is maybe one of the few who really 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 appreciate dyson's <laughs> levity and inappropriate humor at times is she like a number one fan at this point she is definitely up there oh, well, thanks cindy thanks for listening here's your shout out cindy is it, she's she's number one we'll never ever forget cindy She's amazing. She's also bought us a coffee before. Oh, thanks, Cindy. Yeah. Thanks for the coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, Or I guess the alcohol, depending on what time of day we're doing this. Depends. At. If it's a recording, then yes. it's alcohol. If it's research and writing, it's coffee, coffee all the way. And tea. Very bold black coffee for me. I'll take, I'll take a regular tea with two milks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Cindy. Yes, and thank you. uh yeah, the coffee she bought us was through our website. Podcast.ca. And um, yeah, Paige, we'll see you again in June. Mm-hmm. Interest, I'm very interested to hear what you're going to cover then. And I'm um, interested too. I got to figure that out. <laughs> I'm interested too. Yeah, what am I going to do? I don't know. <laughs> That's the fun of it. Um, I'm typically the same boat as you, whereas I'm like bouncing between a couple of subjects or cases that i want to do but in this case next week i know exactly what i'm going to do because in last week's episode which was part two of our um disappearance of walter collins and the wineville murders Mm -hmm. in our mine and dyson's banter i had said i don't even know how we started talking about Dellen millard and the tim bosma case and stuff and i was like should i do that one okay i'll do that one and then i just i really stuck to it Mm-hmm. so that's the case that is going to come out next week but it will probably also be the week after that and the week after that oh this is going to be a deep dive and it's probably I'm excited to, yeah this one will be like a three or maybe four parts i'm not sure yet just because of how the writing is taking me wow so it'll be like a fucking deep deep dive oh so you got like a whole month for an ep like a, like a subject potentially yes oh that's very interesting i'm mm-hmm. excited i hope everyone else is excited i hope so too because that's what you get okay mm-hmm. getting a deep dive get what you get and you don't Millard. complain yeah don't be fucking complain and if you're complaining maybe it's because you have a different suggestion a case suggestion and in which case you tell us yeah what you want to hear and uh yeah i have nothing else i got nothing either <laughs> thanks for listening guys thanks for listening and we will Catch you on the dark side.